Well, summer is in full swing, and that means all you gardeners are working so hard out there. How many gardeners do we have out there? All right, excellent. You're great farmers, right? Farming away, growing some food, enjoying the sunshine. I gave you a seed uh, this morning. I know you're extremely grateful for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you put this seed in the ground and tend to it properly, it will give you sweet corn. Huh? Anybody growing sweet corn out there? Okay, we got one sweet corn person. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always an amazing thing uh, to think about the germination process. So you have a dead seed here and you put it in the ground, and through God's miraculous power, it becomes a plant that gives sustenance to us. And I wanted you to have this seed because I wanted it just to be a reminder. For you, or if you're really ambitious, I'd like you to plant it and see what happens. And uh, bring me some corn on the cob at the end of the uh, summer, and I'll give you some type of reward for your faith. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a seed. This is a physical seed. This morning we're going to be talking about a spiritual seed. We're going to be talking about the seed of the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the most powerful seed in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ. If a person embraces the gospel and it grows within their life, tremendous things happen. That person is reconciled to God. They're no longer on the outs with God because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And they're guaranteed an eternity with God because of the seed of the gospel. When the person lets the seed of the gospel grow deep into their life, they, they'll understand what it means to know that God truly loves them. And that God wants to download power and wisdom and love and strength and guidance into their lives. God wants them to experience life as He intended it to be. And we, who are Christ followers, have this unbelievable responsibility and privilege to share the seed with other people. To spread this seed. And you think about the people in your life, the people you work with, the people you come in contact with through soccer teams or baseball teams or uh, neighbors and how their lives are so filled with pain as you get to know them. And they don't have the seed of the gospel. I was talking with somebody before our first service and this woman had been through a challenge. She said, I don't know how people do it without Jesus. And I feel the same way. This life is challenging. And there's so many people around you who need to know about this seed. You need to spread this seed in their life and see what God does. We're supposed to spread the seed of the gospel. What an amazing thing it is that we have the privilege and the joy of doing that. We're going to talk about the importance of that as we continue in our series in Matthew, learning to live like Jesus, studying selected passages as we move all the way uh, through the summer. So I encourage you to read 
the book of Matthew in the summer, a chapter a day. I think easily through the 28 chapters. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church and study along with us. Uh, take out the message notes. And let's dive in here and look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Now, Jesus Christ was a rock star at this particular point in his ministry. Uh, he was a great teacher. He was a miracle worker. And many believed him to be the Messiah. They didn't have big sports, entertainment uh, venues back in that day. People just went to where the action was. And usually it was a teacher. And so thousands and thousands of people showed up to hear Christ. So they were standing, and Jesus Christ was standing here by the Lake of Galilee, and they just kept kind of you know, pushing forward, trying to get closer to him as the crowds gathered. And finally, he had to get into a boat in order that he might not be uh, dumped in the Sea of Galilee and get some distance from the crowd in order that he might address them. Verse 3, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. So, he spoke in parables. What's a parable? Well, a parable is a simple story that reveals God's truth. We look at Luke 15. We know those parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. They teach us how God seeks after us in order to have a relationship with us. Well, that was a parable, three different parables. And we're going to study this parable today. And it's about the sower. See a picture here, representation of a person in that day who might be sowing. Usually they had a leather pouch around them and they would grab some seed and they would plow the ground first, and then they would make furrows, or they would plant the seed. And uh, they didn't have a lot of resources, uh, so they were very careful in the way they did this. This is a uh, very uh, uh, high level of skill in which they distributed uh, the seed. So they would grab just the right amount of seed, and they would have just the right amount of stride, and they would just continue to spread the seed. And hopefully have a wonderful crop and they go down one furrow and then they turn around and they go down another furrow and that's the way they did this in fact the lake of galilee was probably surrounded by fields so maybe as they looked at jesus christ's teaching there was somebody sowing in the background and they were mostly all farmers and agrarian society so they were very familiar with what jesus christ was talking about now, as he goes into this story, he talks about four different types of soils that the seed lands on. The first type of soil is a hard soil, a hard soil. Verse 4, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, as you went into the uh, outskirts of Palatine outside the cities, it was just all fields, all fields, all crops being grown. Uh, there weren't many roads. What you would do is you would walk down a pathway 
between the fields, they're about three feet apart, and that's how farmers would access the fields as well as people would walk through. So people would walk along these pathways, animals would go along the pathways, uh, the sun would beat down upon the pathways, and they would never be plowed. So, I mean, these pathways were rock hard. No seeds were going to settle here. So the birds would come along and, and snack on the seeds. You ever had that problem with your garden? Birds coming in and stealing the seeds uh, once you plant them? Yeah, birds are always a problem. Tom, our farmer friend over here, who we bought this land from and still owns the land over here, uh, he used to have sound cannons to scare the birds away at like 6 o'clock in the morning, but then the neighbors got upset. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the geese that are always out in his fields. And I used to have a real admiration for geese. I used to teach about geese and the V formation and all the leadership lessons you could learn from that. Uh, I really can't stand geese anymore. Uh, they occupy our property, and they leave deposits all over the place. Uh, I wish the geese would leave. I really do. In fact, sometimes when I come in in the morning, there are geese all over the parking lot. I, I start honking my horn and driving toward them, and I just kind of testing their response. You know, how quickly can they fly away? It's great to see a flurry of birds. I have never heard a geese. I just want to let you know that. I've scared a few, but I've never heard one. You've got to do something to keep your life interesting, right? All right. So uh, there are uh, four soils. The first is the hard soil. The second is the shallow soil. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. So here we have the shallow soil. Now, when people read through this, they think, okay, here's uh, soil with a lot of rocks in it. Well, no, they had already gotten rid of the rocks. The problem was you had a limestone foundation underneath. And sometimes this limestone foundation, uh, there wasn't much distance between the surface and the limestone, so you had shallow soil. That's the rocky soil where the limestone was pretty high, so you only had a very small amount of soil where the seed fell. So what would happen is the seed would germinate, it would grow, and the root would go down, but not far enough because it would hit the limestone, and then all of the energy of that particular plant would go up. It would spring up. So it'd look on the surface like, wow, this thing is growing like wildfire, but it wasn't placing its root uh, deep enough. And therefore, when the sun came, it didn't have the nutrients and the moisture because the root wasn't long enough, and it died. So it was the shallow soil. So the hard soil, the shallow soil. And finally, you have the weedy soil. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The weedy soil. Chris Schmidt is our resident horticulturist. She's in charge of our landscaping here at Springbrook, and she does an awesome job. She just does wonders uh, with very little resources and just beautifies our property so people who drive by know that we care about our property and uh, hopefully encourages them to come and find out who we are.
And I was asking her about weeds uh, yesterday, the nature of weeds. And of course, weeds, we have weeds because of the curse. Adam and Eve sinned. And God says, okay, because you've disobeyed me, I'm going to curse the ground. It used to be real easy to grow things in the garden because that was incredibly fertile soil. But now it's going to be very challenging. He didn't say you're going to have weeds, but we know the weeds came from the curse. <laughs> weeds are everywhere. They are very rigid. Uh, they are very resilient. Uh, weeds never go away. In fact, Chris said that the average dandelion has a root of two feet. Two feet into the ground. No wonder you can't get rid of those things. An average thistle or thorn, as we see in this passage, has a three-foot root. So what happens is, is you have all these weeds surrounding a plant you're trying to grow, and they're sucking up all the nutrients, they're sucking up all the moisture, and as they grow, what happens is, on the surface, they have these big leaves that cover what you're trying to grow, and so it can't get sun, and therefore it can't uh, become a healthy plant. Weeds are a real problem, as you all know, and a seed is not going to grow and germinate and uh, flourish in that type of ground. It's choked. The life is choked out of it because all the energy is flowing other places. So we have the hard soil, the shallow soil, the weedy soil, and finally we have the good soil, the fertile soil. Shall other seed fell on a good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This was a deep soil. This was a loose soil. This was a soil that didn't have any weeds. And so the seed germinated, and the root went down deep, and a healthy plant came from it. In fact, the crop was unbelievable. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Uh, typically in that day, if you had a ten-fold return, that was really good. If you had a seven-fold return, that was average. So Jesus Christ is using hyperbole here. He's exaggerating, saying that, hey, the power of the gospel seed is incredible. Now let's take a, a moment to reflect upon uh, this story that he's now completed. You have three different elements. You have the seed, which represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not much is talked about the seed. Then you have the sower, which is represented ultimately by Jesus Christ, and then by us, because our whole goal in life is to spread the seed. That was a great commission, right? Well, therefore, make disciples of all nations. We're his ambassador. We're his representatives. That's our job to tell people about Jesus, but doesn't say much about the sower. It focuses on the soil, the type of soil, how fertile the soil is, how the soil will react and impact the seed. Now, obviously what we're talking about here is evangelism. We're talking about encouraging people, challenging people, loving people to the Lord. And so many times we're so focused on the sower, that's us. And we say, well, I can't do evangelism 
because I've never done it before. I don't know what I would say or how I would present it. I don't know how to answer the questions. I don't know how it impacts my relationship with this person. People sometimes get offended when you talk about things like that. I mean, we could go on and on about our fears, and Satan wants us to continue to think about those fears. Now, all those things can be addressed. In fact, we're going to be having some uh, seminars in the fall in terms of how you can uh, learn to love a person uh, to Christ. But when it comes right down to it, evangelism is really simple, and I'm going to be sharing with you some ideas later on how you can engage this summer in spreading the seed of the gospel. But the point here is it's not about you. It's about the soil of the person you're trying to reach. It's about the heart soil that they have. How responsive are they? There are some people, of course, that are very hard. In fact, Jesus Christ goes on to talk about this, the heart soil. He explains it to his disciples, the explanation of the parable, the meaning behind it. Matthew 13, 18 and 19. Listen to what the parable means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So, you have the seed that falls on the pathway, the hard, sun-hardened pathway. Uh, people walk on it. It's never tilled. It's just, you know, nothing's going to happen there. Uh, so the birds come, or the evil one comes, and snatches away the seed of the gospel. You have people like this, and uh, these people are full of pride. Uh, they might not be prideful-oriented people, but deep inside they have a pride that they have figured life out. They know the answer. They don't need Jesus Christ in their life. They have a philosophy. They have a belief system that they think is working for them. This is the way that they're going to live life, and you're not going to tell them to think differently. My wife had a relationship uh, with a friend over about seven years, and this woman had hard soil. She had a hard heart. Very nice person. Uh, she was a science teacher. She uh, was very intelligent. She read widely, read about different religions and things of that nature. And my wife is an excellent evangelist. She, she did everything that she could uh, to show love to this person. Uh, this person attended our church many years ago, off and on. I gave books to her. Again, did everything that we should do in loving a person to the Lord. But there was just no change in her heart because she had hard soil, hard heart soil. And for those of you who are seeking to reach someone, sometimes you, you, you need to understand it's not about your skill. Some people think, well, if I just had the right questions, if I just knew more, if I just had a different approach, then it would be different. No, 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 no. They have a hard heart. And the only person who can change a hard heart is the Holy Spirit. 
So if you have a person in your life, maybe it's your husband or wife, maybe it's your child, you, you just need to pray. You see, prayer is the power that comes into a person's life through the Holy Spirit that, again, loosens up that soil, that removes the weeds, that gives depth. And you trying to figure out a different way, a different approach, is not necessarily going to make any difference. Billy Graham could come up and talk to that person, and it wouldn't make a difference. They might enjoy meeting Billy Graham, but that's about it. It's hard soil. It's not about you. It's about what's happening in their heart. So you need just to give more and more time over to prayer, saying, Lord, soften this person's heart. Till the soil in this person in order that, they're, that they might be responsive uh, to the gospel. And obviously, you continue to love them uh, to the Lord, uh, but prayer always is the key in evangelism. So that's the hard-hearted soil. Uh, then we have the shallow heart soil. The shallow heart soil, Matthew 13, 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is a man who hears the word and once receives it, with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now, this is very interesting. The person receives the seed. The person receives the gospel. And it appears that they make a decision to follow Christ as their Savior. But it's not a genuine decision. Now this is something we, we just need to accept in a sense that we can lead a person to Christ, uh, we can tell them what the gospel is, and they can say a prayer uh, as we encourage people to do in terms of making that decision. And, and we can affirm them in the fact that they are a Christian, if they say they generally understand it and they're generally, commit, generally committed to Jesus Christ, uh, but it might not be genuine. Only God knows. Even the person can think that it happened, but it really wasn't genuine because I, in my ministry, have seen so many people come to Christ and then months later they're off the radar and I never see them re-engage in a relationship with God. Now, we believe in eternal security here at Springbrook, which means that if you have made a genuine decision, uh, you're going to continue to follow God, and nothing can take that salvation away. You're secure in your salvation, while other churches don't uh, teach that. At the same time, it has to be a genuine decision, and only God knows that. So here, here a person uh, comes to a decision with joy, about eight years ago, there was someone here at Springbrook who had a friend that they were witnessing to, and I happened to talk to this friend, and they eventually made a decision to follow Christ. But it was the most unique thing I've been a part of. They had a conversion party, okay? They invited everybody who helped them to learn about the gospel to this party, and we all got together and we held hands, and the person actually made the decision at the party. And, and they were filled with joy. This is going to be a real big turning point 
in their lives. And it was really a very unique and interesting experience. I loved it. And you know, two or three months later, this person fell off the radar. They no longer were attending church. And I talked to the friend. I said, what's going on? And I called that person, and they gave me some excuses. And uh, it was exactly what we see in this verse. They receive it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. So a person can seem to make that decision genuinely, but they really don't, and that's a mystery. Uh, but the point is, is that when life starts to pressure them, when they say, well, I, I don't want to give up that particular sin, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I didn't realize what I was buying into here, so sin can certainly be a factor here. I don't want to give up that in my lifestyle. Or, or persecution, people start to make fun of them. And they say, well, I don't want to be identified in that particular way. So there's all kinds of pressures that can come upon them that can make them, again, just turn away. Turn away from the decision that they made. So that is the shallow-hearted soil. And then we have the weedy-hearted soil. The weedy-hearted soil, verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So a person appears to have made that decision to follow Christ, but the weeds come, and they suck the life out of that interest in Jesus Christ. And there's so many weeds in our life. I mean, we're sinful, okay? Uh, we're born sinful, and therefore these weeds grow deep in our lives, and it's only the Holy Spirit who can clean out the weeds. So if a person hasn't genuinely turned to Christ, what happens is, is they get involved in this Christian lifestyle, one might say, and the weeds of life, whatever they might be, and they're all sinful, but, but the idea that the person is pursuing something in life, that they want to be successful in the arena that they want to be successful in. They want to climb the social ladder. They want to be respected and admired by other people. Or they just live for pleasure. They live for the weekend. They live for vacations or whatever else brings them pleasure. That's the focus of their life. And as these weeds grow into their life and, and, and draw their energy away from an interest in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it just chokes out whatever interest they had, whatever desire they had for Christ, and they just are gone. Right? It's very important for us to understand this because as you get involved in evangelism, as you see people come to Christ and then they just kind of, you know, they fade. You say, what happened there? Well, all you need to do is look at this parable. Jesus Christ said it's going to happen. You're going to have people who are going to fade, who are going to fall off the map because they had the shallow soil and the weedy soil that snuffed out that initial desire to follow Christ. It's interesting that he notes the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. And he wasn't talking to rich people. He was talking to poor farmers. But it doesn't matter. You don't have to be rich to be materialistic. 
But certainly in the United States, with all the resources we have, we struggle with materialism. And many times a person, you know, they're focused on materialistic things, and that can snuff out their desire for Christ. Well, let's talk about the good soil, the fertile soil. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is a man who hears the word and understands that he produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Again, exponential growth because he's talking about the gospel here. Now, let me... Uh, let me uh, lay this out for you. All right? How do you know if a person truly is a Christ follower? Well, only God truly knows. But we need to be looking at our own lives, and we need to be looking at the lives of other people, not to judge them, but just to evaluate them. How do you know? Well, you know if they're fruitful or not. Notice what it said in Matthew 13, 22, making it unfruitful. But then he says the good soil, well... There's tremendous fruit that came from that. So you need to study the fruit in your own life and in the lives of people. You need to be a fruit checker, you know, like when you're at the supermarket and <laughs> you know exactly, you know, how much pressure to give it to find out whether the thing is uh, worth buying at the price they're selling it at. Uh, but we look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is the fruit we're looking for, some of it. There's other fruit listed in Scripture, but we'll limit our focus to this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So this is some of the fruit we need to look for in our own lives, uh, not to see if we're a Christian or not. Now, again, if you're here today and you were forced to come or whatever, I don't know, uh, and, and you just have no desire for God. You have no interest in God. Uh, you say, I became a Christian 10, 15 years ago. I said the prayer, but now I'm living my own life. And, and there's no indication that you're growing in love, that you're growing in loving people who are not easy to love. There's no indication that you have a deeper joy because of your abiding with Jesus Christ. You, you don't have the peace in the midst of, of turmoil that, that Jesus Christ would produce in your life. You don't have the patience with people who are very difficult and continue to irritate you. You don't have a general kindness towards strangers. Uh, you don't have a deeper level of goodness of wanting to be like Christ. Uh, you're not faithful in your walk with God. You're not gentle in how you handle people. You don't have self-control over sin. You're never convicted about sin. Uh, you could care less. You're going to sin. Well, friends, if you're in that situation and you're counting on that decision that you made 15 years ago, you better rethink your eternity. Because if there's no fruit over a there's all time times when we get away from God and struggle with our relationship with God you know that that's just common but man if it's been five years since you've had some type of spiritual you know, pulse <laughs> there's a good chance you never made a decision to follow Christ so don't be dependent upon some decision some type of thing that happened years ago 
You've got to look at your life right now. And where's the fruit? Where's the beef? Where's the fruit in your life? And this is true of other people too. We need to evaluate and love other people in our lives. I was talking with a couple last night about this. And they said they were going to go over today to visit some friends. And these friends said that they are Christ followers. They used to go to church, but they don't go to church anymore. And they've invited them out to Springbrook and said, oh, it's a great church, great people, those kind of things, but they have no interest whatsoever. So I asked this couple, I said, well, do you see any fruit in their life? Do you see any desire to know God, to, you know, be more like Christ? Do they talk about certain things? They said, no. And I said, well, you know what your responsibility is at some point as God leads is to dialogue with them about their journey with God whether they really have a relationship with God. Because that's the worst thing. If a person thinks they have a relationship when they really don't, when the seed never really took full root, the seed never germinated, all right? So we have a responsibility as God leads us to talk to people who think they're Christ followers, but there is no life there. There's just death. And then we need to look at our own lives. And certainly we're saved by grace, but there is fruit that comes. If you are a Christ follower, you're going to, again, through the power of Christ and abiding with Him, uh, you're going to manifest fruit in your life. And the question is, how much fruit are you manifesting? The more in sync you are with Jesus, the more you're depending upon Him, the more you're giving your heart over to Him, the more fruit there's going to be. And maybe you're going through a drought right now. There's not a whole lot of fruit. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of uh, bitterness, uh, disillusionment. Well, I'd encourage you to get some help and counsel. Talk to a small group leader. Talk to somebody you respect, a spiritual friend. And say, man, I don't have much fruit in my life right now. <laughs> I want to get back to fruit bearing. So that's a personal challenge. Uh, to you and I as we inspect our own lives. But the thrust of this parable is that we need to spread the seed. That's what God wants us to do. Spread the seed. It doesn't matter where it lands. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to spread the seed. And again, we've talked about the fact that many people kind of shy away from evangelism, but God's given you that job. So let me show you some easy ways to cultivate relationships with people and get the good news out. How to throw a seed? Well, first of all, friendship evangelism. We talk about this all the time, the idea of having a one life, a person that you're focusing your energies on, that you're seeking to reach for Christ. And I would really encourage you, as you head into the summer, just pick one person out, one person that for the next couple months that you are going to pray for, you're going to, again, do the things we're going to note here uh, in a moment. In fact, many of you filled out a communication slip uh, several Sundays ago about a person that you were going to, again, love to the Lord. And we have a database now, and we've mailed that out to different people. And uh, if you'd like to receive that list, uh, we'd love to pray. Uh, have you pray, that is, for people in our congregation who are trying to reach different people. So we have their first name and the relationship, and the person is trying to reach that person. So, again, the power is in prayer so let's just talk briefly about okay you've chosen a person in your life this summer that you want to really invest some energy in 
and see God work through you. Prepare through prayer. We talked about that. That's how you prepare the soil. That's the most important thing. It's not about your skill. It's about the nature of the soil. Cultivate a friendship. If you have a friendship, go deeper in that relationship. You know, hang out with a person. Go places with them. Uh, have good conversations with them. Uh, share your spiritual life. Share your spiritual life with this person. And again, it's not like you sit down and have a half-hour gospel presentation with somebody. That's what a lot of people fear, like, oh, I've got to do that. No, you don't have to do that. Uh, what you need to do is you just need to love them to the Lord and share tidbits along the way, little seeds along the way that, that will let them know what it means to be a Christ follower. So you're just talking with them and you said, you know what, I, I was uh, really struggling with whatever and I prayed about it and God answered my prayer. And you want to mirror that back and say, hey, is there anything in your life that I can pray about? And then you continue to come back to them and say, how's that going? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. That makes a real big impact on people. Uh, when you're talking about just general life, you said, hey, I went to church yesterday and it was wonderful. What are you talking about? That <laughs> kind of thing. Or, hey, you know, going to small group is the highlight of my week. You know, why is that? I, I hang out with my friends, and great food, and uh, just real encouragement. Uh, the, 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 the people there just, they're, they're really great people. And they love me. And, uh, um, and whenever you have opportunity, you pray for those opportunities just to share little things, just a minute here and there, a minute there, a minute there. And, of course, through your lifestyle, they'll see Jesus Christ. And remember, it's the Holy Spirit that's working. This is not some type of, you know, sales strategy that you would maybe experience in your business life. You know, here's five ways to get a person to come to Christ. Because <laughs> if it's hard soil, they're not going to come to Christ, all right? Uh, this is what we just do. We just keep spreading the seed, and we'll see what God does. Uh, but again, it's about what God is doing in that person's life. Felt need resources of a person struggling in their marriage or with their kids or with their job or their finances. You can give them a book or a CD or whatever that approaches that from a Christian viewpoint or give them a podcast or whatever. Just resources that can expose them to the Christian way of looking at things. Uh, you can have Matthew parties. What's a Matthew party? Well, it's inspired by Luke 5 when Levi, Matthew, uh, Jesus' disciple, came to Christ. The first thing that he did was he got all his tax collector friends together, who were all thieves, and uh, he had Jesus Christ come over. Well, we, we want to encourage you to have Matthew, a Matthew party this summer. What does that mean? Well, basically, you find uh, a Christian couple, uh, friends of yours, and then you have a non-Christian couple, somebody you're seeking to reach for Christ. And then you have a party together. So you have dinner, and then you sit down, and we give you a three-hour gospel presentation uh, that you'll share with them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, you just have a party. You hang out. You have fun. You eat great chicken, barbecue, whatever. Uh, you watch a movie, uh, you just show your non-Christian friend that, hey, there's other normal Christians out there because people have a lot of preconceived notions about uh, Christians. Now, you've got to choose the right Christians, right? Okay? 
uh, you want to choose fun Christians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so find some fun Christians uh, that are your friends and, and just uh, have a great time together. Uh, so think about that seriously. Uh, a Matthew party where basically you take somebody you're already trying to reach. And it might, if it's just, you know, a girlfriend you're trying to reach, you invite another girlfriend, you go out to lunch, you know, that kind of thing. That's what a Matthew party is because the more... Christ followers you expose that person to, the more they'll be able to understand because Christianity is best understood when it's lived out uh, through a life. And then invitations to Springbrook. Wherever they, they might be ready to come to a service, maybe not. Maybe it's men's basketball. That's pretty non-threatening on Monday nights. Or you got our picnic in August you can invite them out to. Or our hayride in the fall. Or you can invite them out to a women's event, a men's event. Again, just to get to know other Christ followers and let them know uh, what you know our church experience is like, which might be much different from the one that they grew up in. And then servant evangelism. Uh, we're really looking uh, to have three different events this uh, summer uh, where we hand out uh, just little items like a glass of water or a bottle of water or a bottle of Coke, something like that. Uh, to let people know of Christ's love. It just has a little note card that says, hey, you know, we're doing this because uh, we love Jesus. It's not really a marketing thing. It's really for people just to kind of get outside of their comfort zone. We did have one lady, uh, and I know there have been others, but one lady that came and was so impressed by that. In fact, it was on Algonquin and Randall, and we were handing out uh, bottles of pop, and uh, it was just before the police came. Uh, <laughs> this lady got the bottle of pop. Now, again, we had tried to do all our communications with the police, but uh, it got confused along the way. So it's always interesting. You know, don't worry, you won't be, you know, have the police coming after you if you come on one of these events. <laughs> right now, I want Kathy Piskey to come out and share a little bit about her experience of uh, being a light in her goddaughter's life. Thanks, Dan. Um, a couple weeks ago, I shared a story, and uh, he thought it might be uh, good to share it again. So here goes. Um, about 17 years ago, my brother called me. He lives in Virginia, and he was getting ready to baptize his uh, infant daughter that they just adopted, and he would like for me to be her godmother. I was thrilled and honored, and I said yes immediately. And I said, but um, I don't know the godparent thing because I haven't grown up with any of that, so can you tell me what it is I need to do? And he shrugged and said, I, I don't know. I said, okay, well, godmother, do you want me to teach her about God? He goes, yeah, do that. <laughs> okay, so um, it's a little hard when she lives far away, but I would mail her things books and trinkets and uh, pray for her and when I was around I would talk with her and tell her whatever stories I could that might influence her well when I went to visit one time she was in her early teens he pulled me aside and said um, Rachel's an atheist ah I said oh I failed my job that you gave me oh no what am I can I keep working on her can I keep working on her and he says go ahead. And uh, so I went up to her and I said, is it true, Rachel? She said, what? And I said, are you an atheist? And she said, yeah. I said, can I keep working on you? Because it's my job to teach you about God. 
And she says, go ahead. So <laughs> in that visit, she opened up to me and she told me that she had um, decided to kind of move away or she wasn't interested because she had come across some judgmental Christians that kind of turned her away. And she had some hot topics of um, controversy that she wanted to know my opinion about. And I said, well, you know, I know that God is love and my choice is to share love with people and acceptance. And I know when they come to church, they're going to hear God's word and the Holy Spirit will work on that sin. I'm not for the sin, but I don't feel like it's my place to be judging them. And I know there are people out there that do that. And I, I'm asking you, please, Rachel, don't let those people get between you and God because he's perfect and they aren't. And you're going to be missing out big time. And just, you know, don't let them mess with you. Just focus on him. And a couple years later, she called me. And she said that um, she had found some Christian friends that she was enjoying and had decided to give her life to God. Amen. All right. So I was very thrilled and relieved because I didn't want to fail. <laughs> but um, I asked her, I called her this week and told her I was going to tell the story. And I wanted to make sure that her story was the same as mine. And she verified, yes, it's all true. Um, I said, what is it that got you to start hanging out with Christians instead of the atheist? And she said that she saw a happiness in them that um, attracted her, and she wanted to be a happier person where her atheist friends that she was hanging out with were kind of uh, down and uh, complained a lot and, and were pretty negative. So um, she, was a, she went with those guys, and, and they helped to grow her seed that I had been trying to water. Um, but I just want to, I want to point out that it, that was 17 years of work. Don't ever give up. And even when it looks grim, there's still hope. And I know that I've invited other people to come to uh, events and services. And at the very last minute, they'll cancel on me and have a really weak reason why. And I try not to judge them on that. I just kind of go, oh, bummer is it okay if I invite you again? And every time, they've always said yes. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathy. Appreciate your testimony. Hey, here are some next steps. Take out your communication slip. Be sure to put your name down it so we know uh, you were here. But uh, the numbers are right under there. The name portion of that communication slip. And if you're led to do any of these things, just circle the number. I'll read the book of Matthew summer that's a good place to start out i'll have a matthew party uh this summer as we described i'll be involved in a servant evangelism event this summer i'll practice friendship evangelism so you have somebody in mind that god has put on your heart and you're going to do whatever you can to lead them closer to christ and i'll throw the gospel seed You've been inspired this morning, and you say, I want to do that. You just circle that, just kind of way of cementing uh, what God's led you to do during this service. Let's have our ushers come forward at this time, and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this powerful parable, this well-known parable. And I just uh, have been reminded myself 
It's not about us. It's not about our skill, our experience or lack of experience. It's all about the soil. It's all about how the Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives. And I pray that uh, you would empower us to spread the seed, to spread the seed around. And that's our responsibility. Whatever happens, happens. But we pray that people would come to know you. In Christ's name, amen.